I'm at Doc Train West 2008 talking with Sarah O'Keefe. Uh, Sarah, can you tell me what your presentation or presentations were on and a little bit about them? I had two, well, a workshop and a presentation that I did here. The presentation yesterday was an introduction to Flash for technical communicators. That was intended as a very, very high-level overview and introduction to Flash so that we can get an idea as technical writers what kinds of things we're looking at when we start to think about visual communication. So I gave everybody a little overview of what Flash is and where it is in context with other technologies like Flex and Silverlight and Air and all these other buzzwords that you hear and then gave them a little demo with things like stages and tweening and um, you know, motion and shape shifting, those kinds of things. So just a very basic idea of what you can do in Flash and how it all works, and then tried to put that in the context of how you might use Flash if you're actually delivering information products and you want to add motion graphics animation to that. The workshop that I did today was a day long workshop with uh, something like 15 brave souls that decided to do an introduction to XSL. So XSL is the extensible markup language and what it allows you to do is take XML, extensible markup language, and transform it into something that's actually a deliverable that's useful from a an end user point of view. So you can take XML and render it into, for example, HTML. That's by far the most common thing you do with XSL is to say, hey, I have this XML file, but I want to deliver it to my customers, so I need HTML. And XSL is the programming language or scripting language that allows you to do that. So we ran them through, um, I have a three-day training class on XSL, and what I did to these poor people was gave them the entire three days, but just started at the beginning and did as much as we could. We got through about a day and a half, or what normally would be a day and a half in a normal training session. Uh, I think they're all tired now. And uh, they, did, they, did a, they did really well. I didn't really have to do anything other than explain some concepts and show them what was going on. So the fascinating thing about XSL is that it is a really unique kind of programming language. If you've done uh, Visual Basic or JavaScript or C or C++ or you know any of those sort of normal languages, Java, C Sharp, none of that really helps you with XSL because they're all, they're all procedural and XSL is declarative. And what that means from a documentation point of view is that the processing that's done in XSL is driven not by the program that's in XSL, but actually by the flow of the document. So depending on how the XML document, the content is organized, that's going to drive how the output is created. So you don't really have this concept of line one, line two, line three, line four, and everything being done in sequence. Instead, you have a collection of little bitty templates that go and look at your document and say, oh, I have this. Let me see if I have a template for that. Okay, let's go execute that template. And then it goes back to the document, looks at the next node, the next element, the next piece of your document, and then looks for something that matches that and can process it. Uh, so we had a lot of fun, or at least I did, I don't know about them, but I had a lot of fun and uh, we did a bunch of XSL and now they're all going home and they're tired. So XSL and Flash both seem like pretty, uh, pretty tough subjects for a lot of people. I mean, it's not usually in the core group of technologies that people have to learn to be a technical writer. So how, what do you recommend for people who want to master XSL, who want to become more proficient at Flash, how should they go about learning these things? The interesting thing about Flash is that if you're a visual thinker, then you're going to find Flash to be relatively easy or easier. 
Uh, I happen to be not a visual thinker, so I find flash to be extraordinarily painful. Uh, my advice for flash would probably be to learn a drawing application first, something like Illustrator. Learn that because a lot of the concepts that you have in Illustrator will transfer across to Flash. The very simplified way of looking at Flash is that Flash is Illustrator with a timeline. So it's instead of one Illustrator image, it's a collection of Illustrator Im Im images that then uh, combined form a motion. This is very hard to explain by radio. Um, I'm waving my hands around. So, uh, so Illustrator gives you a good foundation in terms of visual authoring and creating visual content to then begin to layer onto that the animation and the motion and the kinds of things that you're, that you're trying to do. Now, going beyond that, you have this issue that Flash itself has a programming language inside it called ActionScript. And if you're going down that road, that's going to be scary. But if all you're trying to do is just a little animated conceptual kind of thing that shows some things moving around and, for example, the flow of, of uh, data in your software application, that kind of thing, you can probably master what you need in Flash if you already know an Illustrator, an Illustrator-like application relatively quickly, within a few weeks. Um, so I'm thinking of a paper that you actually posted on your on your site a while ago that incorporated little flash videos like this. Now, can you tell us why you wanted to put them in? Uh, they illustrated concepts like one to many, many to one, few to many. Uh, why did you want to put them in, and and what um, do you think was the effect of them? We put them in. Uh, they actually grew out of a presentation that I did at another conference. And uh, I was doing it, so I did a presentation on Web 2.0 and its effect or its impact or its intersection with technical communication. And since it was Web 2.0, I felt obligated to use Flash because of, you know, the web and the visual and the this and the that, which, and I wanted to learn Flash. So it was an opportunity for me to play around with it and just kind of learn it. So after I did the session and incidentally the Flash presentation took about 20 times as long as the PowerPoint version would have taken. So it killed me to do it once and then throw it away. So I extracted those little animations, those conceptual bits from the flash, the big flash presentation, and then embedded them into the white paper that I wrote that was sort of the narrative version of the presentation. Um, the response to it's been pretty good. Uh, interestingly, several people told me that they did not uh, notice that they were there until they read something that somewhere else that said there is flash in here. So people weren't expecting it. They were expecting a static PDF. And despite the fact that there was, in fact, you know, a little play button in the middle of this graphic, it apparently is not um, a standard right now. It's not an interface that people expect, so they weren't, they weren't looking for it. They didn't say, oh, a play button, I must click on this, because they're in a PDF, and so their brain goes to this is PDF, it must be static. That's kind of an interesting problem, and I've seen some other people do this with not just a play button, but text underneath it that says, click here to play. Yeah, play this. Um, and so I think that it's going to take a little bit of time for people to get accustomed to the idea of Flash being in there. Once you sort of play around with it, you can certainly get the point of the white paper without having to look at these conceptual animations, but I think it helps. I think it's nice. They're not, they're not big. They're not sophisticated. Um, and incidentally, the white paper uh, is on our website at, uh, on our white paper site, which is scriptorium.com slash papers.html. So you can get it from there and see what I'm talking about. That, you know, is what I would describe as a kindergarten implementation of Flash, which is about my level. 
And um, I think it worked reasonably well, but I wouldn't describe it as something that I would necessarily do for a customer at this point. It was just a fun little experiment. Well, I was really engaged by it. I mean, just because if you see a white paper and it's got a giant block of text followed by another entire page of text and so on, it, it can be tiring. So it was fun to, to get the little break and to reinforce concepts visually like that. So I thought it worked even as simple as it is. Um, let's talk one more about XSLT. Why would somebody need to learn that? You're talking about the technology itself, but is this only for people who are using DITA? Well, DITA is a, an instance or an implementation of XML. Um, if you're going to be processing DITA content to produce any sort of output, that's generally done with XSL or XSLT, and let's not get into that because there is a difference, but n nobody really cares. <laughs> um, it's troublesome. So do you only need it for that? You need it gen generally if you're going to be processing XML and producing other things. So if you're in an XML-based workflow, there is XSL in there somewhere. Now, as a generic technical writer, do you need XSL? Not necessarily, because probably it's going to be somebody's job to produce the XSLs that you need to generate your output. So it's a lot like doing template development. You know, you develop the template once, and then you author a lot of content in that template. Now in the case of XML, you develop the processing template or the XSLT, the XSL transformation one time and that's what gets applied to your XML content to produce your output. So do you need to learn XSL? That depends on whether you want to be the template designer or the person working inside the template. If you're interested in um, becoming sort of more of a tools person and producing output and thinking about how the HTML should be designed and having some control and some participation in that, then probably yes. So if you look back at an unstructured workflow in a traditional tool like a FrameMaker or RoboHelp or something like that, the question is, are you the, you know, sort of the on-site tools expert or are you the person who sets up templates or are you the person that's creating content? If you're the first one, then you will probably need to learn XSL because that's sort of the equivalent of the template designer in a structured XML-based workflow. All right, one last question for you, Sarah. I, I noticed that you've, you've been um, actively live blogging some of the sessions that you've attended. Tell us kind of why, why you do that and, and what you get out of it. Um, it's fun for me. I enjoy it. Uh, it forces me to pay attention. Um, oh, sorry. All the speakers were great. <laughs> Uh, but it, it does sort of concentrate the mind when you're actually taking notes and you're trying to extract the meaning from what people are saying because a lot of times they will circle around the point that they're trying to make for a while before they actually get to you know the money quote. And you sort of, as a live blogger, you have to identify that piece and, and capture it. Or you just capture everything and then you go back and edit it later and pull it all together. Uh, we've discovered, interestingly enough, that there are an awful lot of people reading our blog because of the live blogging. So a lot of people are reading it because they would have liked to have been at the conference, but they couldn't get here for whatever reason. And so they are in a situation where they would, um, you know, they would like to be here, but they can't. So they do the next best thing, which is read these blog entries. Um, the other thing that's kind of hilarious about them is that I had at least two people walk up to me uh, here and say, oh, I read your blog about my presentation. 
And uh, of course, both of them, uh, in both cases, I said very nice things about the presentation. They were good presentations. They did a nice job. It was great. It was fine. But both of them zeroed in immediately on the one little thing that I said where I either disagreed with them or I criticized something they did. And it was very nice criticism in that particular case. Um, but they both zeroed right in on that bit where I said, oh, I don't think so-and-so you know, got this quite right. And uh, so it's been very kind of interesting because that was not something I intended. I wasn't planning to live blog a session and then have the, the victim of the live blog again come up to me and say, hey, I don't agree with what you wrote about my session. Um, so that was, that was kind of interesting. But we are getting a lot of, um, we get a lot of hits on our blog. We found that the number one thing that drives traffic to our website is posting on our blog. And so it's valuable for us in sort of focusing and um, really distilling to a certain extent what's being said in these presentations. And it's clearly valuable to the, our readers, to the people that are looking at the blog who can't be here. Um, and apparently it's valuable to the people who are here, who are presenting, <laughs> who are reading it and then giving me a hard time. Well, I enjoyed it just because I didn't go to a lot of those sessions and I could see exactly what I missed. So, so if people want to read your blog, can you tell them the address, spell it out for them? The blog is on our website. Um, our core website is scriptorium.com, S-C-R-I-P-T-O-R-I-U-M.com. There's a link from the main page of our blog. It's actually on the front page, or sorry, on the main page of our corporate website. There's actually a link to the blog, so you can get to it from there. The blog is called Palimpsest. I will give some sort of prize to the first person that leaves me a comment that tells me what that means. And uh, it lives at scriptorium.com slash palimpsest, P-A-L-I-M-P-E, no, S-E-S-T, sorry. Okay, wait, now you, you threw out a, a question there. What does palimpsest mean? I remember looking this up once because I was curious, and maybe it's been a while, so maybe I've forgotten, but does it mean the, like, some kind of texture where text is that kind of fades and the new text appears or something like something a, a, a slate that is reused for new text again and again what is oh, palimpsest yeah. yeah that is actually it okay. so apparently prize to you but you're gonna have to cut that out if you want me to send a prize to someone else no well, this this gives me extra points no I, I think it's an ingenious uh, title for a blog because your front page is constantly uh, disappearing as new posts appear so I think it's great and the blog changes yeah well, thanks, Sarah, for talking to me. I appreciate you uh, taking these, this little time after your long workshop today. So I appreciate it. Thanks.